0: We begin. <laughs> we begin lesson seven. Okay, so uh, so Pastor uh, Rojas uh, took us all through five parts of the law. We didn't know that there were going to be five parts, but it ended up being five parts. And and uh, um, and so yes, as he mentioned, we're a little bit behind. But uh, I'd rather be behind than ahead, not knowing what's behind us. Uh, and so, uh, so we, we, we turn to uh, the gospel. We turn to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, and so the, the, first, uh, the first thing that, uh, that I'm going to ask is, how are we saved? How are we saved? Uh, the first thing, are we saved by good works? No. Every man made religion in the entire world teaches essentially the same thing. We are saved by our own good works, our behavior, or our abilities. This is a focus on me, on self. Uh, Some of the major religions of the uh, the world, Judaism, Islam, um, Buddhism, or Hedonism. all based on works righteousness, works. Um, you have to um, go, to, uh, go, go to, uh, uh, to temple so many times in a week or in a year. You, you have to go to certain places in the course of your lifetime. Um, you have to do certain things in order to be saved according to these major religions. Some of the minor religions, or cults, such as Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, Scientologists, and the like, they're the same thing, all based on works. Now, all of the people involved in these religions may be very nice people, but they are going down the wrong path. Trusting in their own works. But they are going down this path because they are being led astray by false shepherds, by false teachers. And so speaking the truth in love to them could help them get on the path of Him who is the way, the truth, and the life Jesus Christ. We cannot approach these folks. These folks whom Jesus died for and say, well, you're just going to hell. That's not going to win anybody over. Can we talk, you know, you're, you're, you're a Muslim, you're a Jew, you're, you're this, you're that. What do you believe in regarding the Messiah, about Christ Jesus of Nazareth? Got to be specific, you know, there's a lot of Jesus's out there. Um, and so we need to be specific. What do you know about Jesus? Who is he? What has he done for you? What has he done for all of mankind? Ask these questions. Get into a dialogue. Okay? And then you could begin to unpack some things. You don't know, need to know everything about, uh, about what's written in the Bible, but you should know about your Lord and Savior. You should know about him. And reading the book, the Gospel According to John, is a good place to start. Now all these religions prescribe different works, but in the end they all are works. Nonetheless, they are all works. They are saved by keeping certain rules and certain laws that are made by man. Okay, um, the Jewish religion, the the uh, the Pharisees, the teachers of law, kept on making more laws that they can say that they kept. How many did they make? outside of the Torah, outside of the Ten Commandments? 100. 613, right? And they will wear these tassels as a symbolism of all these works I do. Um, it's a false religion. Religion of works is false. Does faith in Christ save you? Does faith in Christ Jesus of Nazareth, born of Mary, only begotten of the Father, does faith in Jesus Christ save you? Only Christianity teaches that we are saved by grace. You heard it in today's epistle. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Right? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And so, for Christ is the only one who kept the law for us. He did the work necessary to open up heaven's gates. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Christ is the end of the law. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. He is the end of the law, that everyone who has faith may be, the word used here, justified. Yeah, you hear that word before today? What does it mean? Saved, made righteous, set free, declared innocent, not guilty. All these things... Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree. We have a beautiful sanctuary, and we see one who hangs on a tree, who is lifted high, Christ. He is the one who took upon himself the sin of the world. Just as he said in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. You thought I was going to say 16, right? We know what John three sixteen is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that. But what, what does John three fourteen and 15 say? Just as Moses lifted up the serpent on the cross, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Cursed is the one who is lifted up on a tree, who hangs on a tree. There's only one man who who hung on a tree for the atonement of all sin. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So again, does faith in Christ save you? Yes. 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 There are thousands of different teachings and groups, but there are only two religions in this world. Only two. There is the religion of the law and the true religion of the gospel. The false teachings is the religion of the law the true and saving teachings are the teachings of the gospel now we could get into the gospel with regard to being in a broad uh, a broad term or in a narrow term okay the broad term is that all of scripture all of scripture is the gospel okay that's the broad uh, the broad sense of the word gospel the narrow term of the gospel the narrow sense of the gospel is everything done for you in Jesus Christ that's the narrow sense of the gospel but we need to understand who this Jesus is again the name of Jesus who named Jesus who who named you My dad. your dad your mom they got together they had a meeting I select this name. No, but I want to. But what if it's a boy? Okay. If it, but if it's a girl, we're going to name Emma. Emma. Okay. But who named Jesus? Mary, Joseph, the grandparents? Who married? Who, uh, who named Jesus? How do you know that? That's right. For in Matthew chapter one, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, the purpose for which God sends him. Mary and Joseph didn't name Jesus like our parents have named us, The angel Gabriel revealed what his name would be. He related the message from God himself, so God named himself. So what is the relationship between Jesus and saving from sins? Well, understanding what is the Greek word for Jesus? Jesus, okay? What is the Hebrew name for Jesus? Yeshua. Also Joshua. Okay. What does the name mean? Joshua is the combination of two Hebrew words. Yahweh, the proper name of God, and Shua, which means saved. And so we can answer then that the name Jesus, get this off the board, not a nice discussion, the name Jesus in Greek, the same as Joshua in Hebrew, means the same thing, the Lord saves. Notice the spelling. Not lowercase, but small caps. In most Bibles, not all, but in most Bibles, when you, when you see the, 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 the capital L-O-R-D, but the O-R-D in smaller caps, who's that referring to? Yahweh. Um, all of God, the whole council of God. Okay, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord saves. So, in Matthew chapter twenty, uh, Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one, um, it says here that she will bear a son. And this is what is referred to as a minor prophecy. And you will call his name Jesus. This is a command. Because he will save his people from their sins. This is a major prophecy. The purpose for which he is sent. Who is he referring to? Is he referring to Yahweh? saving his people from their sins, or to the baby? Both. Thank you. Both. Because Yahweh will save his people from their sins, and this baby will save his people from their sins. This is because Yahweh is the baby, and the baby is Yahweh we actually get into this, is the two natures of Christ, okay? You know, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is probably the most difficult and confusing doctrine for which the human mind to understand. I believe the second most difficult doctrine is the two natures of Christ, okay? For the two natures of Christ are are not mingled together, Okay? Like we would put salt in water and dilute it. Okay? It's not like that at all. I believe in the Book of Concord, it's, it's compared to like two boards that are put together and can never be separated. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, that's when those two boards, God, The Son of of God, uh, um, the second person of the Trinity, was forever connected to humanity, okay, in the Incarnation. And we'll get into the idea of this Incarnation in, in a second. But Acts chapter 4, verse 12 states that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. No other name but this name, Jesus. We know, as Jesus says in, in, uh, in John chapter 4, we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now the question is, who are God's people? Not the Jews, not Christians or believers. Jesus is the Savior of who? The whole world. Jesus came not to save some, but all. But not all are saved. Why? Not all believe. And that's that's a sad thing. Okay? This is why this gospel, true gospel-saving message needs to be proclaimed. Not by pastors alone, but by you as well okay share this sweet precious saving gospel with others Uh, I I told this story a number of times Um, I don't know if that I've told you but I'll share it with you now I'll, I'll give you the condensed story when I went I was brought up in a Roman Catholic household okay which is another works righteous Christian faith okay you got to do this in order to get that. Um, you got to say a number of these in order to receive this. Okay. Uh, and so my father used to come home and I would be up in the room because I did something bad. But because I never admitted I was the one who stole the cookies out of the cookie jar, mom would send all the kids to, to their room. And so dad would come home and dad would whistle us down we all come down now I'm the second oldest of nine kids so I've heard this story a number of times not the one I'm telling you but what my father would tell me kids at first it was just maybe three or four of us then five and seven of us and then all nine of us and I would hear the same story kids do you know how you get to heaven no dad how do you get to heaven when you are kind to your mother and listen to her, you add a brick to the stairway that leads to heaven. Is that not works-based works righteousness? Yes, of course. Okay. Every time that you watch over your little brother or sister, every time that you do your homework, that you turn it in on time, you add a Brick to the stairway that leads to heaven, to heaven. But when you don't do those things, they all come down. <laughs> and I would hear this, and I said, "Well, if that's how you get to heaven, I'm never going to get there." <laughs> <laughs> if that's how you get there. The exact same story, exact same one. but it was on a scale, and it made the scale tip. Yeah, I mean, moms and dads and. Religious leaders all have a different way of presenting it. And so I grew up my whole life thinking I'm never going to get to heaven. Did I believe in God? Yes. Did I believe in the Son, Jesus Christ? Of course. I mean, I went through all the stages in in the Roman Catholic Church. Baptism, uh, First Communion, Confirmation, you name it, I did it all. Okay, Altar boy, all all that kind of stuff. But I knew because of who I was, I was never going to get to heaven because as many good things I did when I did that one bad thing, all the bricks come down. Unless heaven was at my level, I was never going to get there. And I knew heaven was not at my level. <laughs> and so after marrying my wife, Lisa, was she being lifelong Lutheran, married in the Lutheran church, I decided well, it that I, right there. <laughs> I, just, I thought I earned some grace just doing that, right? And so I went to confirmation class. Um, after about seven, eight years of marriage, I, I knew that you know we really weren't a family, even though I supported her and taking the kids to church, baptizing them in the Lutheran church, blah blah blah. Okay, just going through the motions. But I I sat there one Sunday. as... You know, Lisa went up for communion, and I didn't. As a Roman Catholic, I didn't go, even though I found out later that the pastor at that LCMS church would let me come if I really asked. But I knew that's not my offer. I don't go. But the kids would say, Dad, can I go with Mom? Well, you didn't behave in the car this morning, so no, you could sit right here with me. And so. And the kids, they wanted to go up with mom. They wanted to, to, to see what mom was doing up there. They wanted to maybe receive a blessing from the pastor or whatever. But I didn't go. Not my ultimate. So one Sunday morning, all the kids got to go. And I'm sitting there all by myself. And I'm seeing my wife up there receiving the very body and blood of Jesus Christ and my children. Who were baptized, and it wasn't the church that they were baptized in, they were baptized in them because we had moved. And so, but they're with God, Liv sitting, by myself, alone. I got to change. I got to change this right away. And so I went to the pastor, well, we're getting confirmation classes. And so I went to the confirmation class, and he was teaching from a, a book. And it was a large Lutheran church on the south side of Chicago. Uh, sub- suburb in Tinley Park, and he was uh, teaching from a book. Uh, Pastor Bruno was teaching from a book by Oswald Reese that they may know Him. Who do you think Him is? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. And so, we, but we were going through the the the, um, the Ten Commandments and came to the part where uh, fifth commandment: You shall not murder. murder. Okay. And uh, th- this was 1995, and Jeffrey Dahmer was in the news. If you don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, you can Google him. Uh, but he wasn't a good man, okay? He, uh, he did bad things to boys and cut up their bodies and all that kind of stuff. But Pastor Bruner said, even if the likes of a uh, Jeffrey Dahmer repented of his sin, was sorry for all the pain and anguish that he caused the families and what he did to those boys... God would forgive him and welcome him up to heaven and immediately my arm went up and I said, Pastor, what about the bricks? He said, what? <laughs> and so I explained to him very quickly and he said, Jim, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that Christ will come again? Yes. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit comes to us through the means of the water and the word and holy baptism? Yes. How about the bread and wine in the, in the supper? Absolutely. you believe that Christ died for the sins of the entire world? Yes. Jim, are you a sinner? Yes. Are you sorry for all the sins you have committed, those you remember and those you don't? Yes. I, as a called ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you, and it is said, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, Jim. If you die tonight, you will wake up in heaven. It's like the veil was lifted from my eyes. I get to go. I was so excited. I get to go to heaven. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Christ has done. I was so excited, I went home, and I told Lisa, Lisa, do you know where I'm going when I die? And she looked at me so perplexed, so confused. What? She says, do you know where I'm going to go when I, when I die? And she says, you're going to heaven. I was startled. You knew this? He said, didn't you? I said, no. But I know now. But it was a lesson that each of us learned. And this is what I tell everybody. Never assume that a loved one, mother, dad, son, daughter, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, never assume that your neighbor, co-worker, grocery store clerk, waitress, never assume that they know that they give to go to heaven. Tell them. Tell them. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you get to go to heaven. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, I've not really thought about that. You might have with a conversation with a total stranger, or with your spouse. Never thought about that. What well, do you think you're going to live forever here on Earth? Well, no. Well, shouldn't you be thinking about what comes next? Yeah. And so this is how a dialogue, the conversation, will, will start. They may not believe everything you say. They may not even confess their faith in Jesus Christ at that time. But the door is open, meaning their ears are open. Their eyes are open to hear and to see. And then you might say, well, you know what? I'd love to have this conversation again next week. But how about if we do this? I'll pick you up. About eight forty-five on Sunday morning, we'll come to my church. And then afterwards, we'll go out and have some breakfast. We'll discuss whatever you happen to, to have heard from Pastor Rojas. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how it is. That's how you spread that saving gospel message that others may come to know and be justified, saved. It's just one way. you talk to them. And so Christ is not a proper name, right? Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, okay? Jesus is his name. Christ is his work. It's his title, just like Pastor Rojas, okay? Rojas is his name. Pastor is his title. What does pastor mean, by the way? Anybody know? Yes. From what language? From Latin. Pastor. From Latin. It means shepherd. Okay? Uh, And so the title for Jesus is Christ. Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. It's written uh, in the scriptures. I actually did a study on this a number of years ago. Um, regarding all the, the times that it occurs in Scripture, either Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Is there a reason why one is placed before the other? Well, you have to attend my class. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll give you a short of it. Remember, Jesus is his name. Christ is his work, his title, what he came to do. And so when you are reading, in most cases, when you're reading the Pauline epistles uh, or the gospels or whatever, um, and you see this, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, take in the context of what is being written or what is being said by the, by the writer, by God, okay? And then you'll understand, oh! So when it's referring to Christ Jesus, referring, this is what Christ is doing for me. And when it says Jesus Christ is referring to what Jesus is doing for me as man and then as God. Okay? As a man, he, he laid aside his, uh, his, his deity. Not that he didn't have it, he did. But he laid it aside that he lived out his life truly as a man born of a woman raised in a household, so on and so forth. And then he died, as we shall all die. But there are times when he reveals himself, uses his divine power in his miracles. And it's all over the scriptures. In fact, John even writes that um, if every miracle were written, there wouldn't be enough books in the world contain all the miracles that Jesus did yes so when Jesus that was very interesting about the two boards laminated together when Jesus was on the cross and he said my God my God why have you forsaken me he was all man at that moment and God he's fully man fully God Hundred percent of the time for all eternity but since the incarnation. What, was he aware when he said, "Why have you forsaken me?" Was he aware that he was God, or, or when he set aside, when he set aside his humanity, the times of his life on the earth that he set aside his humanity, and then he picked it back up, and then he put it down, and then he picked it. I, do you understand my confusion? Remember what I said. What's your name? Beth. Yes. Beth. Uh, it's a beautiful name, by the way. Remember, I said uh, the Trinity is the most difficult article, um, doctrine to understand. The two natures of Christ is the second most difficult. Okay, so I understand. Uh, perhaps all of us have gone through this on how can you be this and that at the same time? <laughs> Okay. So, so he's God. He can do this. There is nothing that is impossible with God. For all things are possible with God. And so now the question the question also comes to when Jesus died on the cross. Can we say that God died? Yes, the Son of God died. Did the essence of God die? No. But God the Son, in fact, died. Okay. I'm talking about awareness. Oh, he was very always conscious of who he was. But remember, he, as the scriptures reveal to us, he, like all of us, grew up in stature and wisdom, and found favor in man and God. And so he had to do what he had to do as a child, um, living in those circumstances, living in a Jewish family. Okay. And the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Messiah. Did Jesus know that he was the Messiah when he was an infant? As a man, no, he didn't know. He didn't even, He didn't know. He couldn't even speak the words. Uh, yes, It sounds like uh, if Jesus had not deliberately given up his spirit, that he would not have died on the cross. He says. As he said, "I he gave up his spirit. He died and gave up his spirit." Uh, he says, uh, "Into your hands, um, I, I, get, I, I, I Into your hands, O Lord, I commit my spirit." Now, with regard to, I, I will say, um, "You know, Eloi, Eloi, Lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have Thou forsaken me?" Psalm 22, okay, fulfilling of prophecy uh, uh, as well, uh, as also with giving up of the Spirit. Um, This is, um, he committed everything into God's hands. Okay, everything was committed to God's hand. Who else would he trust? Who else would he trust in? He trusted in God, God his Father. Okay? Remember, when Jesus was baptized, what happened? Like a dove, the Spirit descended upon him. The Spirit didn't all of a sudden ascend from him until he said from the cross, Into your hands, my Lord, I commend my Spirit. Okay? Yeah, confusing. But Jesus because did it if he all. If was always God, why did the Spirit have to come at the baptism? As a sign. Uh, that, that Spirit, uh, it's, almost, it, it's a, an anointing. This is the one. And you heard God say that, right? After the, the dove, then the voice of God said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. This is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the chosen one, the anointed. And then he says it to the the disciples on on the Mount of Transfiguration. (laughs) Listen to him. Okay, but those words are for us as well. Okay? And we need to listen to God's words, Christ's words in Scripture. Okay? Um, And so Christ means anointed, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power, uh, Acts chapter ten. Um, of course, the Greek word is krito, uh, 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 to anoint. We get Christos, uh, the Anointed One. Uh, what does anoint mean? To choose, to appoint. And that's why did Jesus? Why the why the purpose? He was sent to save us from our sins. What does Jesus? What does Jesus chosen and appointed to do? To fulfill all the scriptures, all the promises of the scriptures. In Luke chapter 22, verse 22. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. Who determined that? Jesus knew it. Even when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, according to your will, let this cup, your wrath, pass before me but not according to my will. Humanity, right? Yeah. Jesus in his true humanity. And, and his and sweat was like that of, the, of drops of blood. Okay? The anguish. Because he knew what was going to happen. We see what happened. And it's a reminder of his great love for us, for you. Um, and so I'm going to close with this. Um, does anybody know what the word proto-evangelion means? First gospel. Huh? First gospel. Yes, so you identify uh, proto meaning first and angelion meaning gospel. Okay? Um, and so who has a Bible here? I, I could. Okay. Uh, Turn to Genesis, first book of Moses, right? Yes. Um, I don't know if you caught that when I... Okay. Commonly known as Genesis, but the the second book of Moses is Exodus. I mean, when we talk about the Pentateuch, we talk about the writings of Moses. There's Moses 1, Moses 2, and I'm not not talking about a movie or a sequel. Moses 3, 4, and 5. Okay. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus... Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? All right? Um, And so, anyways, so chapter 3, 14 and 15. Can we read it? Oh, yes, because I can't read it from here. (laughs) (laughs) The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Thank you very much. And so so that is the first sound of the gospel. Who was in the garden? Well, he was speaking to the serpent here, the devil, Satan. Who else was in the garden? Adam and Eve. So, man, meaning all of mankind at that time, heard the gospel. All of mankind heard the gospel at that time. All right? Um, And so, I will put enmity, separate hatred between you, O Satan, and the woman. For her offspring, her seed, shall crush your head, and you shall strike his heel, bruise his heel. What is God saying? What is He pointing to? Jesus. Say it. Jesus. The cross. Okay. Now, if you heard in in today's Old Testament reading, uh, Genesis four. And so Adam was with Eve and she bore a child and what did she say? In the Hebrew it says, Behold the man. What, she, what was she thinking? Was the That's the Savior! The yeah. She was obviously wrong. Okay. All right. But the promise was that through a woman, through the seed of the woman, the Savior would come. And that's what all the people from that time were being told. From who? Mom and Dad. The head of the household. Um, You notice that also in the Old Testament reading today, in Genesis 4, that uh, came a time where uh, Cain and Abel Offered something to God. We would see that as worship, right? Okay. If you read before that, where does it say that anywhere in Scripture that God all of a sudden decided that He needed to be worshipped? Didn't. Doesn't. But God demands it. He's our Creator. As His created and redeemed creatures, we need to return to Him to give Him thanks. Thank you for giving me this day. Thank you for awakening me this morning. Thank you for the food in which I ate at the breakfast table. Thank you for the safe travel to church. Thank you for opening my ears and my eyes to hear and see your miraculous work in your words. And then, and then on my lips and on my tongue, receiving Your true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for the fellowship that I shared with others before and after church and during Bible class. And thank you for for the job that I get to go to on Monday morning. Thank you for the paycheck that I receive every week or bi-weekly. Thank you, Lord, for all the gifts that you give me. And I thank you that I'm not like... No, I'm just... That would be be wrong. Okay. Um, uh, Again, I want to thank the pastor for this opportunity to stand in his stead uh, to teach. Thank you for staying a little bit over uh, as we were updated on Will's wonderful... um, uh, summarization of his attendance at the Synodical Convention. Uh, we look forward to meeting again next week and pastors return. We close in prayer, shall we? Gracious Heavenly Father, as you have given us the opportunity to hear your word and to believe in you who created us and who redeemed us through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross, help us also to Take this wonderful gospel-saving message to the ears of others who may not know you or think they may know you or believe that they know you. Help us to speak a word of truth that their ears may be opened and their hearts may receive this truth and thus confess with their lips that Jesus is Lord and thus be justified. Gather us together again next week as we not only worship you, but also take time to study your word and to hear from our pastor. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.